social media post of the day. It said, I need to rehome a dog. It's a small terrier and tends to bark a lot. If you're interested, let me know, and I'll jump over to my neighbor's fence and get it for you. <laughs> you ever have one of those dogs? I, I had a dog from hell that lived next to me one time. I'm, t I'm not kidding you. That dog, that dog would walk cross-legged across the lawn, his own lawn, to get into my garage and do its business. <laughs> and I, I would talk to my neighbor about it, and he would say, just spread ammonia around, and it won't happen. I'm like, yeah, I want to have to smell them. I, I, never, I never won the battle with my neighbors. Uh, somebody else did, though, because <laughs> the dog disappeared. But what, what, the finale was the dog went and came into my house, and of course it was our fault for leaving the door open. The dog came in the house and went upstairs and pooped <laughs> in my house. So uh, that's why I love dog rehoming stories. <laughs> well, let's get into our third sermon on the, the heart of the Christian influencer. And I'm going to read three scriptures. Um, Three scriptures, the same scripture, but I'm going to read three translations. It's Paul to the Galatian Christian. Paul, on his first missionary journey, had established the church in Galatia. Well, he established actually three churches in the area around Galatia. And they were churches that were mixtures of Gentiles and Jews. And the controversy that began to develop here was the Jews were trying to impose mosaic laws and rituals on the Gentile Christians and trying to force them to be Jews religiously and culturally in order to be Christians. And that was a controversy that continued in the early church for some time. And so Paul says, Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. That's the new living. The NIV says, My dear children, whom I am again in pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Then the Message Bible says, Do you know how I feel right now? And will feel until Christ's life becomes visible in your lives, like a mother in the pain of childbirth. Once upon a time, as I spoke, a friend looked across the room at me and told me, Phil, you really sound angry. You better do something about that. I, know that I knew that he cared for me. I knew that he would never tell anyone else. And I knew he was challenging me to be more like Jesus instead of more like myself. I knew he wouldn't abandon me. And I knew if I disagreed with his opinion of my behavior, he still wouldn't abandon me. He would be there the next week for me. He didn't have to tell me I wasn't letting Jesus live through my life. I knew the scripture well enough to know that that was the problem. All he had to say was, you really sound angry. This was an example of the heart of a Christian influencer. This is going deeper than the low-hanging fruit of friendliness and affability and sociability of last week, which are still terribly important because likability is the bridge to deep transforming influence. Lisa Harper, a ladies' Bible teacher, writes, I've been confronted twice lately by other Christians one came from a red-faced stranger who was furious with me for wearing knee-high leather boots with a skirt to her church. She called me a Jezebel. 
The second came from a good friend who tenderly pointed out my pride in a specific situation. The name calling left a bruise on my soul, but the compassionate rebuke turned me back toward the forgiving arms of our Heavenly Father. As Christ followers, we've got to recognize that God alone has the perfect combination of holiness and mercy to stand in the judgment of the human heart. A young man who realized a group of Christian leaders were critical of his behavior was talking to me many years ago. And he said to me in frustration, why won't they pastor me? That stuck with me through the years. I had a conversation with Deborah Rainier. Deborah, are you in the room? Uh, I had a conversation with Deborah Rainier this week. I asked her for permission, by the way, before I shared this. And uh, it involved her need for a new car, because her car was just doing terrible. And many of you know Deb. She's given her testimony on this stage before. Uh, the next day, I put her in touch with a Christian car dealer, a Christian man who manages a car dealership. And uh, I was text, we were texting back and forth, and I was giving her a little advice, and, you know, the, and she was telling me what her options were and what, what she could afford and all of this kind of thing. And I explained that to uh, my friend at the car dealership. And as she and I were going back and forth with these details in this text, she texted me and said, isn't solving this problem a lot better than the problems I was trying to solve seven years ago? And if you know Deb's story, seven years ago, she was dealing with addiction. She was dealing with a, a very broken financial situation. And Deb submitted herself to some followers of Christ that are in this room. And she submitted herself to their influence. She got involved in the ministry of influence. She welcomed it. Probably not all the time, but ultimately she did. She let people read her mail, literally. Her checkbook, critique her parenting, and more. By the way, no two stories are the same. You're not Paul, you're not Galatian, you're not Deb, you're not me. All our stories are the same. I'm not suggesting that they should be. But I would, I would more than suggest that the most powerful ministry is not the ministry of great preaching and not the ministry of magnetic and charismatic personalities, which I'm grateful for those things. Some of my heroes in the faith are great preachers and have charismatic personalities. Actually, if you trust the Corinthians, and I don't know how much I trusted them, or do trust them, but Paul did not refute them when they said his, uh, his speech is contemptible and his bodily presence is weak. So apparently, the great apostle Paul would not have made it as a celebrity pastor in the 21st century because evidently he wasn't an amazing speaker. And evidently, he did not necessarily have, although he was affable and nice and cordial, and I could make a huge case for that, because I used to think Paul was kind of grumpy. Uh, he still, when he stood before a group, apparently, he wasn't all that magnetic or charismatic. But th that's not what transforms your life anyway. It informs you, it teaches you, 
it's entertaining, but that's not what transforms your life. What transforms your life is those personal conversations and those, person, those people who love you enough to, to point out to you when you're not being like Jesus and the people who encourage you when you are being like Jesus and commend you when you're being like him. So let me tell you three important attributes of the ministry of a Christian influencer. Number one, Christian influencers embrace vulnerability. Vulnerability, someone said, is the only authentic state. Being vulnerable means being open for wounding, but also for pleasure. Being open to the wounds of life means also being open to the bounty and beauty. Paul didn't just preach vulnerability, he modeled it. I don't think anyone in the scripture model vulnerability any more than the apostles. And I'm not, lifting, I'm not lifting Paul above Jesus. I hope to make that clear before I'm done preaching. He would not like that if I, did, if I tried to do that. But he says to the Galatians a few verses earlier than what we read in our text, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you as I do in freedom from, to, to, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws, to the, the restrictive laws of Moses. You did not treat me when I, uh, uh, you did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you to the good news. So Paul did not hide the fact that he was sick. He was willing to be vulnerable. He did not say, well, I, I'm going to uh, that won't, if, if I go to them when I'm sick, they'll think I don't have much faith and that will, that will ruin my image, so I will hide from them as long as I'm sick. No, he went to them sick. He said, even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. So it was in vulnerability that Paul formed a relationship. It wasn't in power. It wasn't in overwhelming uh, 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 strength. But it was in a time of weakness that he formed a relationship with them. And he, we, we see this same idea projected in Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Philippians 4, 15 and 16. To be vulnerable means to be to stay connected with others in discomfort, your own and theirs. Paul modeled vulnerability by not hiding his needs, his pain, or his struggles. By the way, Paul wasn't just going around with his hand out all the time. It may kind of sound like that. But in Corinth, Paul made tents in order not to be a financial burden to the Corinthians. When Paul showed up in your town, when Paul showed up at your church, evidently, he was all there. Evidently, he was all there with one motive, and that was to lift up Jesus. One motive is to convince you that Christ was the only source of salvation, that grace was the only means of access to Christ, and Christ was the model for all things. Christ was the model for all behavior. Christ was the model for, for all, all ways of being. Christ was the model for your, 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 your morality. Christ was the model for your emotional management. 
Christ was the the, the model for love. Christ was the model for all things in all of aspect of life. He, He spoke in one place of Christ being our all in all. He was committed to Christ above all. He had sacrificed everything. Meeting Jesus caused Paul to put all his eggs in one basket. Meeting Christ caused Paul to turn away from everything that wasn't about Jesus and everything that wasn't about Christ. And he completely poured his life out to to that end. Paul modeled vulnerability by living culturally as a Gentile in lifting up Christ as the main thing in the clash between Jewish and Gentile culture. In fact, it was at Galatia where Simon Peter... Simon Peter, when he got around the Jews that were in Galatia, he started, he started leaning toward recommending circumcision again as a means of fulfilling God's commandments and pleasing God. He became two-faced. And Paul, the Bible says, rebuked him to his face. Paul rebuked him to his face because Paul was living there in, when he spent time with the, with the Gentile Christians and their Jewish counterparts, he lived as a Gentile. Culturally, he lives as, as a Gentile, not suggesting sinfully at all, but culturally he lived as a Gentile and he did not lift up the law of Moses as the access to God. Paul also modeled vulnerability with the Jews by honoring their customs when he was in a community that was completely Jewish long after he'd rejected, long after he had replaced those, maybe not reject, it's the wrong word, long after he had replaced those practices with Christ, we see this amazing thing. I, I think this is such an amazing model of someone who has completely emptied themselves of themselves. Who's, com- who's completely become all about being the, being the incarnation of Jesus in the world instead of the incarnation of my own personality, my own taste, what I want. I'm going to be me no matter what. No, Paul wasn't I'm going to be me no matter what. Paul was I'm going to be Jesus no matter what. And so we find Paul when he was with the Gentiles. Back, if we go over to Acts chapter 18, verse 18, Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that, then said goodbye to the brothers and sisters and went to Kentria. There he shaved his head according to Jewish custom, marking the end of a vow. Imagine that. Imagine that. Going along with this Jewish custom of shaving your head as a way of honoring a vow, even though it wasn't something that he needed to do. He was doing it entirely for them. Doesn't that just kind of remind you of Jesus? who comes into our lives, who came into the world saying, it's not about me. The Bible says the Son of Man came not, not to be served. That's a powerful verse. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The most extreme example was Timothy in Acts chapter 16. Timothy had a Hebrew mother and a Greek father. So Timothy had not been circumcised. And in order to assure the Jewish believers of his sincerity, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised. 
say, well, I don't really want to talk about circumcision on Sunday morning at church. I don't either. But it's in the Bible, so I have to talk about it. Imagine. I don't think, I don't think 21st century individual, individual uh, worshiping Americans, Western civilization people can even fathom what it's like to be so in love with Jesus and so caring about humanity that you would go to those extremes in order to make people feel comfortable so that there would not be a barrier between your message of grace and them. I'm, I'm just in awe of this. I'm in awe of this. I'm not even saying I've, I, I've not arrived at that place yet. Uh, pray for me. I'm working on it. <laughs> Exercise the ministry of influence toward me so maybe I can get better. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.20, I've become all things to all people that I might win some. Wow. Wow. What, what, what would happen? What would happen in the world if, if there was a church in a community or a group of people started to think like this? What would happen? What would happen? We, we definitely couldn't continue with one service. The second thing that I would point out to you about Christian influencers is they have genuine emotional connection with others. I think that point's already been made to some degree. But let's, let's drill down and go deeper into that point of emotional connection. Emotional Genuine emotional connection with other people. He says back in, uh, or in Galatians 4, I think I said 14 in my notes. Uh, hopefully the guys corrected it for me. But it should be uh, Galatians 4, verse 17. There we go. No, they didn't correct it. See, they're not, they're not taking care of me back there. Uh, they're doing a great job, though. The, uh, it, I'm, I'm a real, I'm a challenge. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. It, it was, the, the one was never there, was it? <laughs> I, I think that was, was, was your fault, Kevin. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin writes, he spreads the news that he writes my notes. And I just preach his script. That's okay. It's like, like my brother. We had this. My brother was preaching in this church in Gainesville, Texas, one time. I'll never forget this. There was a woman in the congregation, and this is people. Worship was very interactive in those days, in these churches. And this woman, if you started a sentence and you're up preaching, she would try to finish it before you could. <laughs> God is love. She would try to say it before you could say it. And I remember my brother in those days traveling around, and actually that was his livelihood to get an offering from the church for preaching and ministering. And, uh, and, and he, he, my brother stopped one time, and he goes, her name was Collins, and we called each other sister brother in those days. We didn't know anyone's first name. And he said, Sister Collins, you may do half the preaching, but you're not getting half the offering. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
So Paul says in Galatians 4, 17, these false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right, but let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. Now, I want you to think about this. Paul is fighting. Now, Paul did not need a relationship with the Galatians in order for his survival. He established 12 churches. He had plenty of places to go. But Paul was fighting for a relationship with them. He was fighting to stay connected with them. So much that he would oppose people that was separating him from these people that he loved and cared about and had right motives toward. It's no, it's no wonder that we avoid genuine emotional connection though, because there's really deep pain when we are deeply committed to one another. It's no wonder we avoid it. But back in our text that we read much earlier, he said, my dear children for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, agony, anguish, you know, it's also, but it's also where everything good is. (laughs) If you're not willing to engage with anguish, If you're not willing to engage with pain, if you're not willing to engage with that, you're not ready for committed relationships. It's no wonder that we avoid the the, the genuine emotional connection then. See, it's with a heavy heart for me that I know for some, and I want you to please not take this in the wrong way, or that I'm trying to get back at somebody from the pulpit. and I think if you'll hear me out, you'll, you'll, I'll give the balance to it before I'm done with this thought. It's no wonder, though, it's with a heavy heart, I meant to say, that uh, I know there was a few people in life over the last 35 years that I was the influencer that God sent them. I was the influencer. I had the word from God for them. I had the word from God for them, and they would not stay put. They would not stay in relationship. See, the average person loses seven key relationships in their lifetime. The average pastor loses seven key relationships a year. However, I can't stay resentful. I have no room for resentment because, first of all, because resentment is sinful. And secondly, because I did the same thing. I did the same thing to pastors and leaders and people that poured into me. I walked away. I didn't really nurture the relationships. I didn't get, and I look back, you know, I, I'll tell you a very good example. When, I, when the Lord began to convict me of this, it was like, um, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago, that the Lord began to convict me as I began to get a little older, and I began to realize the people I had just disappeared in, from their life. And, they, and so, because I didn't think they had anything to offer me. You know, I thought, I, I'm, going, I'm going on to do God's work, you know. And, and so there was a pastor, some of you remember him because he preached here. He, he preached all over this room, if you were here. His name was C.W. Goforth. And he was my pastor when I was like 11, 12, 13, 15, right in there. And he was the one that I went down front and I told him, I believe God has called me to the ministry. And he prayed over me. And, and, uh, 
he was the one, he took me along. I played piano for his family, singing. I even played on an album, recorded with him. And he was so good to me. I would, I, every, every Saturday night, I would, I would pack up my stuff and I would go stay at Goforth's house. Because we had service Saturday night, Sunday morning. A nursing home service on Sunday afternoon and back again on Sunday night. So four meetings between Saturday night and Sunday night. I But I've heard, heard more sermons than anyone in this room. And that was before YouTube. <laughs> we had to go hear them in person. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 not, not because I thought Brother, brother Goforth, as we call him, had a special wisdom for me. I just felt convicted of the Holy Spirit. And I started calling him on the phone. And he's 80, he was 82, I think, at the time, pastoring another church. And I said, I want you to come and preach for me. And he came up, and he was so vibrant and vital. I mean, he was amazing. I, I could hardly keep up with him walking down the street. He was, he was always like that. When, when he was like 32, 33 years old and our pastor, he would play football with us on Sunday afternoon. He could outrun everybody. He was an athlete. He was a tremendous athlete. And, uh, uh, but anyway... Here's what, here's what I saw. I remember where we had the building downtown. We walked into the boardroom, the conference room, and he began to talk, tell me of how he managed meetings, even to where he, he chose where he sat. And you know what hit me at that moment? It hit me. This guy had so much wisdom that I ignored. I didn't see it. I left so much on the table if I just... Called him on the phone once in a while. That's all I had to do was call him on the phone. All I had to do was go by and visit when I went to Texas. I know it's a lot of work to keep up with relationships, but it's the most important work that you have. I said it's a lot of work to stay connected with people, but it's the most important task that you have. You, you read, read, read through the epistles someday and just mark all the, all the places where Apostle Paul called people by their first name. Just mark all the times that he called people by their first name. This guy, remember, remember when we had Rolodexes? This guy must have had a Rolodex this big around. He was a people person, man. So, pardon me for spending a little too long on that, but I wanted to tell you that story. Paul didn't make it all about him, though. He, he, in, 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 with the Galatians, this deep emotional connection with Galatians focused on what was best for them. Listen, listen to what he said back in verse 14, 15. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I've noticed, Galatians, you're not happy. I've noticed you don't have the joy. Think about Paul noticing that their broken relationship had decreased their joy. How could it not reduce their joy? Of course it would reduce their joy. The entire weight of the law of Moses was being dropped on them, and they had rejected the liberating redemption of Christ at the cross. Of course they lost their joy. The heart of Christian influencers is a deep love for other humans. You are useless as an influencer if you don't learn to fight for relationships. If you walk away every time it gets stressful, every time you get your feelings hurt, every time you get offended, if you think that means I have to walk away because I'm offended, obviously I have to leave, you are missing the power of Christ that God wants to funnel through the person that's sitting next to you and behind you and in front of you and the person that you're going to shake hands with. God has designed that his power would flow through his body. 
Perhaps you've heard of Tuckman's stages of group development, also known as form, storm, norm, perform. It's the stages a team goes through to become a great force. Number one, forming is the honeymoon phase. Polite interactions. Pastor Phil, I've never heard anybody preach like you. What, a, what, an, what an unbelievable church. Wow, I've been to a lot of churches. Never been to one like, like this one. Wow. This must be spiritual Disneyland. <laughs> but you know what comes next? It happens in marriage too, right? Storm. That's when there are conflicts due to differing opinions. All of a sudden, the way they did it at the last church you were in looks pretty good. <laughs> that's, the form, that's the storm stage. Then there's, if, if you can hang through the storm stage, you get, to the nor, you get to the norming stage, they call it. So forming, storming, norming is when the conflicts are resolved. And you may influence change. You may accept change, whatever. It's, it's better because your ideas and all, your, and you know how it goes. Performing is the final stage. That's where you start acting as a great team that starts achieving goals for the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you in this room have never hung in for that process to take place. But you're going to after the sermon. <laughs> I just changed your life. I'm not kidding. I do believe some people have never, ever gone through the process because, you know, as church people, we don't like processes. We like events. Pastor, put on some great events and we'll be a great church. No, great events are great events. And they're fun and they're awesome and they're necessary and they're important and we're going to try to put on great events. But... We love events, but we don't like processes. But the power, the power of the church is when the church submits to a process. And the process is found, all the process we need to know about is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. The model of the cross, enduring suffering, going through the suffering to get to the other side, going through the difficulty, the stress, the strain to get to the other side of suffering. It's where everything opens up for you and me. It's where everything opens up for me because Jesus, in order, in order to get access to hell, he had to go through the cross. And when he got to hell, he stripped from Satan the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he came out of hell to ascend to heaven to sprinkle his own blood on the mercy seat next to God. And he bought our salvation. And you're sitting here today because Jesus was willing to go through the process. He didn't try, he didn't try to solve our problems with another meeting. I said he didn't try to solve our problems with another meeting. He did not say, oh, we're, we're going to win the world if we have a big conference. No. He said, I've got to go to the cross. I've got to get to the devil, and I've got to defeat him for everybody that's here. And when I do, the world will be transformed, and the world has been transformed by Jesus willing to go through the process and not just trying to have another event. 
C.S. Lewis. Boy, I don't know what preachers would do without C.S. Lewis. <laughs> because he's the most quoted person in the world, and for good reason. If you have not read C.S. Lewis, please do. Please read, read, the, read the Normal Christian Life. No, and I'm sorry. Uh, not, help me. Mere Christianity. Normal Christian Life is Watchman Nee. That's a good book, too. But Mere Christianity. Read Mere Christianity if you don't read anything else. Take your time. It's, it's heavy at times, but just plow through it. It'll, it'll do you good. Okay, that's enough commercial. C.S. Lewis. He said, in fact, I, I'm going to rest my voice in which we probably, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to do my Robert F. Kennedy uh, Jr. Uh, impression today. I really am not. <laughs> so I'm going to have you read that as a group, okay? R- ready? One. Now you know why I want you to read this, Lewis. Number three, Christian influences are obsessed with achieving Christ-likeness. Paul knew that the foundation that holds Christian relationships together and releases the atomic power of influence between humans is not merely great business principles or practices, but Jesus Christ. In case you're questioning whether Paul was obsessed with Jesus as the greatest influencer and the secret to influencing ministry. Let me read Romans 8, 29. Hey, y'all sounded great. Give me a break and read these verses. Boy, that, that, he's just saying, he's saying, stay, stay there. Sorry, guys. Go back. Go back, please. Oh, there we go. You're, you did go back. Uh, Paul is saying everything of God's plan is around this one idea that I become like Jesus. That, 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 that's God's only plan. Now, uh, okay, uh, read, everybody read 2 Corinthians 3.18. Oh, that's, that's, that's so good. Let's go to Ephesians 
Now, jump over to Colossians 1.28 and read that. J.I. Packer said, To have Christ formed in you is to possess the mind of Christ, a disposition of heart and mind that mirrors that of Jesus Christ. Someone said, and I will read it to you, pastors cannot simply be concerned with the seats that are occupied. They cannot simply be concerned that somebody comes to believe the gospel. They cannot simply be concerned that the people seem happy and satisfied with what's going on. And they like the environment of the church. They're happy with the music. They like the style. The pastor's pain is connected to the lack of Christ-likeness represented in the people. Paul said, until you're filled with the fullness of God. You don't go to church. You are the church. If you're an atheist or agnostic here today, and I hope that there's someone in the group, in the room, because that would make me very happy to know that someone who didn't believe was willing to come to church, even if you only came because... Your spouse threatened you if you didn't. I'm still glad you're here. If you're an atheist or agnostic, you might bristle at the phrase Christian influencer because you, could, you would correctly say and assert that not only is friendliness and connection possible with Christians, it's also possible with atheists and agnostic. And I would agree with that. I can't argue with that. But you could also assert that uh, you could hammer a nail in with a screwdriver. But it wouldn't be the best tool. The best tool would be a hammer. And God has given the church the best tool. When he gave us, by his grace, he gave us Jesus. He gave us Jesus to be our all in all, our savior, our model, our friend, our counselor, through the Holy Spirit, the inner voice. Everything you need is in Jesus. When we understand that we have been brought together to not only exalt Christ with a few nice songs and testimonies on Sunday morning, and, uh, or even show up in a Bible study during the week to learn a few more Bible facts relating to Jesus, but to actually have the ways of Jesus developed in our personalities and our emotional responses, we're starting to grasp what it means to become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And because this is all wrapped in grace instead of law, it's fine in one sense to fail. It's fine to miss the mark. Because no one in this room has permission, if they're going to be like Jesus, to not forgive you. No one in this room has permission to abandon you because you really blew it. In fact, that's how we grow. So, we, realize that we need to realize our interactions with each other, believers, no matter how seemingly mundane they are. And, and please be comfortable with the mundane. What I mean by mundane is normal things. Watching a football game together. 
having a cup of coffee together, talking about the Red Sox together. Being an influencer doesn't mean you have to sound spiritual all the time. It doesn't mean you have to be boring. It doesn't mean you have to always be rebuking somebody. But you are always connecting. And you're always loving. And you're always caring. And you're always listening. And you're always alert. As much as we can always be anything, right? So no matter how mundane are the means that we do it, by connecting with one another, the image of Christ is transferred from Christ into us and by relating to one another under the authority of Christ into one another to transform us into the likeness of Jesus. Ephesians 4, 15, 16 says this, and I close with this, but speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects to him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. What every ligament provides, that's you. That's talking about you. What you provide according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Love one another and discover everything that that means. Let us stand. And let's just take a moment to give God praise as our prayer partners get into place to pray for you. Let's take a moment we used to sing, I surrender all. So could we, as a group, say, Lord, this is not about getting it perfect. But can we say to God right now, God, I surrender to the plan. I surrender to the plan that I, as a part of the body of Christ, will be an instrument. And I will be one of those joints, one of those ligaments. I will, I will be... I will, be, I will be a conduit through which the blood of Jesus can flow to bring forgiveness, redemption. I will be a conduit through which the Holy Spirit can flow to bring wisdom and help. And like we talked earlier about these conversations, we talked about Deborah Nair and how she was willing to get in the flow and she was willing to get in and, and, and allow the, the, the other members of the body of Christ, of Christ to flow through them to her in all sorts of manifestations, some of them very practical, some of them not so practical. And so her life has been transformed over a seven-year period. And those other conversations, very similarly, my own, my own journey with anger, which is still there, but it's a lot better because I've let someone speak into my life and that I respect it. So can we just submit to God's plan today? How many of you say yes? I'll submit to God's plan. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just submit to your plan. We're not going to get it perfect. We don't need to. We don't need to worry about that. We don't need to come into the yoke of bondage that says if we get it wrong, we get stoned before the sun goes down. But we can run to the cross at any moment, at any time to receive grace and forgiveness and we share that grace and forgiveness and because of that we get a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a tenth chance and a twentieth chance we keep getting chances and every chance we're a little bit better than we were the last time we stumbled because we have your grace that flows between us thank you Jesus 
Thank you, Jesus. If you need prayer today for any reason, come on down quickly. Come on down. Move out of your seats and come and let this prayer part, these prayer partners lay hands on you and pray for you. Let the grace of God, this is the body of Christ. These are the hands and feet of Jesus. These are the voice of Jesus standing at this altar today. And this is a very sacred time when we open up the altars. The altars are open at Bethany Community Church right now. Would you, before, I'll dismiss you. Don't worry. I'm going to let you go. It's, uh, it's uh, I, uh, ten, nine hours to kick off, so you've got plenty of time. <laughs> Father, just for, just for a second, I, I don't want to uh, wear your arm out and make you tired, but just stretch your hand out toward those that are here. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, it, I don't think there's anything magical about stretching out my hand, but I want my mind to go to those who are in need today and those who need God's grace and those who need God's mercy and those who need help and those who need directions from the wisdom of God and everything that God has for them in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 The altars remain open, but I'm going to dismiss you and let you go. And if you want a prayer, please come on forward and, and let these guys pray for you. Thank you.